everyone, and welcome back to Season 2 of History Unloaded. In this episode of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley... Oh, look, I put your name first. Thanks. You're welcome. We're going to talk about the new CFM. So this project literally encompassed all of my adult life so far. And it was a really big project because we had one of the biggest gun museums in the country uh, with a huge following that we didn't want to lose. But we also wanted to do a lot more for the general public, GQ public as I call them. And so in today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we did in the museum and why we did it. Do you mean John Q? (laughs) Nope, because they chic. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. So <laughs> I'm so dumb. <laughs> I thought we were just going to keep going. We are. Keep going. All right. So as Ashley mentioned, we had a lot of expectations on what the museum had been and what, what it might be when we finished the renovation. I think a lot of people, um, you know, they, they sent us, well, we got all kinds of ideas during, you know, heard everything's on suggestions from how to do the lighting, to putting mirrors behind all the guns. like So we got all these... To like, I'll come in and do it for you. Yeah, so we got a lot of that kind Are of stuff. Are you going to do a display on the 22? Yeah, just the 22, not like... Yeah, just, just, just the 22. Uh. <laughs> um, so we got a lot of stuff like that. And then I think we both understood that there was sort of a more general expectation that we wouldn't ruin the CFM. Like... That was just, nobody said it that way, but... Oh, no. See, okay. So, Danny... Nobody said it to me that way. Yeah, okay. So, like, let's back up. Let's, like, back it up just a little bit because the project predates even me. Yeah. Um, I found a terrifying folder from a collections manager who wasn't working here when I started here nine years ago (laughs) that had a folder that was labeled CFM Renovation. So, this is something that predated even my involvement with the center. And then it was talked about a lot while I was just the assistant curator. But it wasn't really until I became curator that it became a real project. But that made it sound like I was like patting myself on the back. But I wasn't because, you know, they said all the time, like, don't ruin the Cody Firearms Museum. Like, I still have nightmares to this day about the concern for ruining the Cody Firearms Museum because it was something that people were really, really worried about because change is hard. And The way that a lot of museums, you know, the direction a lot of museums are heading right now are uh, what I was told um, by several people was didactic. Don't make it didactic is what everybody said to me because they were worried that we would vault more of the firearms um, and replace it with content and context, which, by the way, is like my kind of museum. But so when we started, we really had to kind of think about how we can balance the idea of we have a collection, so we should show it, but also how do we get the bigger picture out there? So I heard it a lot for the first few years, but I um, am in you know therapy to work through <laughs> <laughs> all those threats, and I'm doing real well. Well, and yeah, so we had that, like, you know, we had that sort of stated goal, you know, the more, like, don't, t- don't have any fewer guns on display, have, um, you know, don't vault the collection, um, all that stuff. But then we had like our museum professional selves that want to make like add context to these objects, add bigger histories. And I think, you know, trying to get those, the crux of like our struggle with the renovation was getting those two goals to mesh up because like, how do you do that? How do you display so much of the collection and have any space left at all to do any kind of context on these objects? Because there are there's plenty of good reasons why museums have been doing these. Like we're not just sitting here like throwing shade at other museums that 
have changed up their displays. You know, some of them have done it well, some of them haven't. But like, there are there are plenty of good reasons to add in that broader history and take away some of the objects to give you space to do that. Um, and yeah, it's a really hard challenge to try and meet both of those. Yeah, and you know, leading into the real design phases of the Cody Firearms Museum, I did a lot of research um, and traveling to different collections, um, different museums all over the country, and kind of created a list of the different types of ways that guns are incorporated in a display. And so we kind of started from that basis of, okay, so you've got gun on wall, which is kind of the art museum method, which is to just put guns on display in order ornate fashion as more of a work of art and something kind of to be awestruck by. And if you know about guns, then you can make all the conclusions. But if you don't know about guns, it's kind of just a cool thing to look at. Um, and then to the two guns being used in a contextual method where there's, you know, one gun and maybe 15 other artifacts to tell, you know, a specific narrative where the artifact is kind of supplemental to the overall story. So that's one where the gun is first and foremost minimal story and one where it's all story, minimal artifact. And so I think that artifacts in general are, there's something that can really be a, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just All right, rambling. so while you're talking about that, I had an idea. And we're going to take a time out from the subject to play a little game about this. What were your, what, without naming. I thought we were stopping recording no, 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 for no, a no. second. <laughs> without naming the institutions, I have one in mind. What was your, Describe your favorite display of firearms that isn't us and your least favorite display of firearms. Uh, don't, na- don't call them out. Don't, don't name don't. names. Um, describe my, my yeah. favorite and my least favorite. Um, Here, while you think, I'll tell mine. Because, yeah, you had already been thinking about this and my so, brain was already like off in space. So I went, when we were doing this, as Ashley mentioned, we would, you know, we both travel and we stop at museums because that's the kind of people we are. And like, Anytime you stop there, you can't help but think, how does this compare to the project I'm working on? And so I would see exhibits that, and I would, you know, we we like say, hey, this is really cool. We want to try something like this, or I don't want to do anything like this. Like this. And the, the worst was I went to an exhibit, and it talked about the War of 1812 and about the, the soldiers and the two armies and all this stuff. And all they had were, like, Wikipedia-level pictures of the guns of the War of 1812. And I'm like, you're telling me you as a fairly significant historical institution could not get a brown vest to stick in a case on a wall next to something about the war, 1812. I was like, why did I bother to not just stay at home and read Wikipedia in my sweatpants about the war of 1812? Yeah. And like to me, that was like, I don't know, it was just, it was not great. Uh, So I would say, I'm going to kind of answer my own question, Um, but it is along the lines, and I am going to say the name of the institution because why not? Uh, One of my favorite museums that I visited during this time period, and this is actually like will cause a little bit of drama uh, for some people because I know a lot of people don't necessarily like the content that went into the museum, but the World War II Museum in New Orleans in terms of interpretation and context was really impressive. And I actually really enjoyed the firearms displays that they had. Now they were minimal, but they were these really deep cases. And so they almost kind of floated there um, in midair. But at the same time, it was incredibly frustrating because the material, like the information wasn't necessarily as accurate. And so I've kind of found my favorite and my least favorite all in one 
one institution, but at the same time, this can be translated to maybe countless institutions. Right. But the the World War II is a good example of it because you know they've got this great gun collection. I got to see it um, behind the scenes, and they display it really in a cool fashion. But then the content kind of falls flat, um, which the content doesn't fall flat really in a lot of other places in that institution. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of indicative of most institutions and we've talked about the lack of scholarship and you know people in the field of study and so I think it goes to show that there really wasn't a model for us to say that I want my museum to look like that we had to create the museum that would hopefully be the template for people moving forward to say oh that's what I can do with a gun collection if they're not coming from the gun world or if they are coming from the gun world oh that's the way that I can still show my history of technology but also infuse a little bit of cultural context and so I hope that we're kind of the gold standard for that balance that didn't exist before. I tried to make the reference during the renovation that we were trying to be the Camden Yards of gun museums, and Ashley's not a a huge baseball fan. And so it kind of missed. But for all you baseball people out there. It missed again, because I was like, what about England? (laughs) Tell me about England, Danny. (laughs) But for all you baseball fans that know like stadium design, that was our that was my like mental goal when I was working on this. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about like what sort of the problem is that sort of you know, object displays and not vaulting the collection along with bringing out the contextual history. Um, we haven't talked a lot about audience at some point we probably should, but like what are some of the steps that we took to get to those? Yeah. So goals? early on, there were a lot of surveys done and the surveys were kind of interesting because they were like overall center surveys originally that mm-hmm. were just who's coming into the building. And then it was who's coming into the CFM. And that's where we learned that our audience really is both gun enthusiasts and novice or people that really don't know anything about guns, um, you know, before they come into the museum or only know what they see in the movies or on the news. Um, and the identification of the fact that we have a core audience that really doesn't know what they're looking at was a huge influencer on the project. And one survey that I I thought was of, of most value was the people that we brought in, they went in and they surveyed people who paid admission to go to the center. So they went into other parts of the center and they said, hey, are you going to go into the CFM? And if someone said, hell yeah, I am, then they were like, have a nice day, sir, because it would be a sir. Uh, <laughs> but then if they said, no, I'm not planning on going in, they would ask them if they would complete a survey. And then and the question was, why, basically? You know, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you go in? And the answer was um, shockingly not because I hate guns. I mean, there were some of those people. I thought it would be much bigger. It was only 3% of the people that they kind of interviewed and that, that said, no, I have a you know moral objection to this. I will never go in. But the rest of people really just kind of said, well, I don't really think there's anything of interest for me there. And that's kind of disturbing as a firearms historian because when I was running, rambling on on my tangent, the point I was trying to make was the fact that you can take one artifact and use it as a lens for so many different you know histories and narratives. And the firearm is probably one of the best artifacts to do that because it's so integral to so many societies and cultures for centuries. And so it was disturbing to think that people didn't realize there was any connection to a greater kind of history uh, when they think of a firearms museum. Yeah. And I think for a long time, we just had this assumption that like this museum was, it was like a holy grail for collectors to come see it. And like, we just all assumed that that was our core audience. I always say Mecca. Just I mean, that is probably a better better comparison than Holy Grail when we're talking. Um, Because, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we always just assumed that it was like a collector. That's who we had to make the museum for. And I think those surveys and like really actually studying who is our audience really 
And there is a big chunk that is collectors, but realizing that so many people were coming in here and it's like, I don't understand what I'm looking at or why it's laid out that way. And thinking about how we can improve that, um, I think that was that was a big realization when I came onto the project was just like, well, I, I would have assumed that this is, you know, that we didn't get that many novices, that it was like you had to already kind of know something about guns before you even wanted to come here. But the fact that so many people that would have identified themselves as not knowing a lot about guns were coming here and that we could do a better job of reaching out to them. And fast forward to the opening of the museum and the survey we did afterwards, it is showing that more our demographics are shifting. They're getting a little bit younger. They're getting a little bit more female. Um, and and the novice is coming in even more because they do start to recognize, especially with what we did to set up the front of the museum, like the hallway to lead into the museum, as something that connects to the larger world, which I guess we can talk about because it's why what we're talking about today. But, you know, one of the biggest things to draw people in that we did was, you know, we put a, a, a giant mural up at the front of the hallway that leads into the Firearms Museum that is of both people and technology with a very clear mission statement that, you know, we interpret all of firearms history, good, bad, and indifferent, and that our job is to provide you a baseline of understanding to spark your own research and to draw your own conclusions. And that might have been a better way to say it, but we worded it the way we worded it. Well, and I think that front area is one of the best examples of like when it just came down to the nitty gritty details of like how we thought about the museum. Because for years when you came to the CFM, you walked in and you saw this acrylic case with a fan of guns. And right past that was a giant Gatling gun mm-hmm. on a big mount. And it was a very impressive object. But that was the first thing you see. The first thing that was like your introduction were those two things. And so when we were talking about the new the design of the new entryway, one of the ideas we considered for a while was the fact that that Gatling gun wasn't actually supposed to be on that mount and was actually involved in the Vulcan project, which is yeah. a whole different history. But we were like, wouldn't it be cool to take this really old Gatling gun that's involved in modern technology and then put it beside like a minigun, yeah. and a modern minigun, and show that these these old artifacts have such a like, you know, they have a long lineage in today's history. But then we, as we thought about it, it was like, all right, we're trying to make a statement that we're a museum for everybody. And whether we like it or not, some people are going to be off put by the, the first thing is a Gatling gun. Which is right not a machine gun. <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> um, uh, well, but, and, and, and one like, of the things that we talked about with that is the fact that people often misunderstand the use of the Gatling gun and think that it was used at uh, Wounded Knee, which it mm-hmm. was not. Uh, but, you know, perception is reality for a lot of people. And so we didn't want to put something just to be like, hey, we're here. It yeah. didn't have a lot of context. <laughs> yeah, because then you just put this object that, you know, in popular culture has a lot of baggage on it. And I think if putting that gun, that really large piece right up front would have told people that this is the this is the same old thing. It's still for and by the collector in large part. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people with that object up front walk away with the assumption, I'm not going in there. There's nothing for me. But now instead, the very first object they see is a holster and they see that sign with people on it. And I think that makes, at least we hope it makes a better argument for, you know, and and that, um, the, so there's three cases as you walk into the firearms museum and Danny said there's a holster with the name Abercrombie and Fitch and then there's a stock with the name Louisville Slugger and then there's a gun which is the last thing you see before you go into the museum um, that's you know Ford and what we were trying to do with that as well was one kind of ease you in if you're not comfortable with guns um, you know because if you're comfortable with guns you're just gonna walk in you know right. but we wanted to ease you into kind of the the connect to the different types of artifacts in the museum.
Museum, but then also the connections to broader industries. I mean, I, it's anecdotal, but I mean, we both have walked by in the middle of summer uh, and looked at and, and overheard conversations where people are like, oh. I didn't know Abercrombie and Fitch sold guns, you know, and like I smile every time because I'm like, that is what we were trying to do. You and know? that's one of those things that is sort of assumed knowledge within like gun people that are interested in firearms history. They're like, oh, yeah, I know Sears and Abercrombie and all these stores sold guns. But when you put that to a general audience, the number of people that have no idea that that was the case, it's, it's like really impressive how like just. It's not out there. Yeah. And then as you progress into the museum, the first thing you see was also a really big consideration for us and for that general audience, which is our, you know, firearms basics and safety section. So the next part of that was recognizing that, you know, we as gun people use a lot of jargon that we assume people know what the heck we're talking about. And a lot of people aren't going to say, I don't know and I don't understand it. So, like, you can keep talking all day thinking someone's understanding you and they might have no clue. And so that space we wanted people to be able to get hands on learn about safety and proper handling and respect of the firearm, but also to learn those key terms, starting with the biggest one of them all, you know, gun, you know, all the way down to the parts of the gun and, and, and different types of ammunition, so that when they go through the rest of the museum, they're able to go, oh, I saw that term up at the front, and I know what that means, so now you're not trying to get through a language. Honestly, it's a language barrier. Mm -hmm. um, when you're in the rest of the museum, you can kind of relax and just kind of read the history behind the different guns without getting bogged down in terms that you don't necessarily recognize. Yeah, and it kind of boils down to like the breezeway was a statement, this is for you, whoever like, you are. If and you're then, fishing, it was your bait. Yeah, yeah that was, a, and then the first gallery you walk into is, here's what you need to know, and then it's go enjoy the rest of the museum. Like pick your area of interest and go enjoy that. You yeah, know. and and that's what I like too about it is the museum's not necessarily linear; mm -hmm. it's thematically driven. And and the the other crazy thing you know that we should talk about is we did a really which we didn't realize I think until the very end that we did a really revolutionary thing in the firearms museum that literally might have caused a revolution by gun collectors, which is that we might have been the first gun museum to truly not have other than the lower level, which is you know a, mm -hmm. a gun library to break everything down by manufacturer and by manufacturer only. Well, I mean, there's, I'm sure as soon as we say that, somebody's going to be like, oh, this museum does it. Well, this I way. mean, but the like, NRA Museum has the evolution of the firearm and stuff, but the, a lot of times it's still organized by, right. you know, manufacturer. And, you know, it's, it is kind of crazy. And I think one, another one of those things that we realized partway into the project that we had the opportunity to do is the path, like the pathfinding in the museum. Because mm -hmm. I think, a lot of people come up to us and want to like, what, how am I supposed to go through this? And the answer is, we don't really care. What like, do you like? Like, go pick, like, just go into the museum, find what you like and spend it. We put as much in each gallery as we could fit, like mm -hmm. both text-wise, object-wise. You don't have to try and see it. I think that's frustrating to some of our visitors. Like, the, there's, well, there's that class of museum visitors, like, I'm going to read everything. Well, like, and there's also the... the um the gun people that are like, I want to see all the Winchester 73s in the same place. And it's like, sorry, they're in like 15 different places because they have 15 different narratives right, that we can yeah. tell, you know. Um, but no, I, I totally get that. And that's one of the other things that in the museum that we also did was in order to create a lot of, you know, a display with a lot of guns, but then also historical context, we have these, you know, big law, big cases where if you're a gun person, you can come and basically drool all over all the different guns. We double the amount of, like, display window that we had, but at the same time, we have these reader rails across the bottom, which provide you, you know, traditional history, um, social history, techno technological history, uh, and so it kind of each 
little blurb on the reader rail. You can read it in order and it tells you a, a linear narrative or you can read it one off, you know, or whatever you're interested in. And that way, when you're looking at the guns, if you're not interested in like the little details on the guns, you can go, oh, I didn't know that, you know, these southern guns were made in an armory that were was staffed by enslaved peoples. You know, like there's just these little bits of history that you can pull out. And if you don't aren't interested or you know the history or you think you know the history, you can just look at the guns and read the labels mm -hmm. and, you know, also get a very fulfilling experience. Yeah. So before we become too self-congratulatory. I know. I was thinking that as I was like, saying it. Like, we're so awesome. We're, like, we did a lot of things that we think were sort of pushing what museums could be. And we have even more reasons. But so we should probably talk about criticisms. Yeah. Where did we fail? Yeah. And so one of the problems is we don't know the full amount of criticisms because people just won't tell you and I. Yeah. Um, but what are some of the things you've heard so far? Um. Uh, well, some people, I'm not going to go over the criticisms that are just factually inaccurate. Like right. you took sure. half the guns off yeah. display, which is just not true. Um, the criticisms that I have heard so far are usually in our conversation corner, which is right. not asking for that. But, you know, people find an opportunity. They take it. Um, a lot of gun guys, you know, they don't like the lighting. Mm -hmm. And they think the labels are too small. Um, mm -hmm. So we need to, like, magnify the, you know, the text so that they can read them. Um, <clears throat> personally, I think a failing of the museum is, was brought up in the Wall Street Journal that wasn't listed in the Wall Street Journal as a failing. But I personally see it as a social, more of a social story. And I see it as a failing is, you know, we did kind of while we talked a lot about social history and we talked a lot about context. Somehow we did kind of lose the people aspect of it, that this is a story about people. Um, and I get why it got lost a little bit, but I, you know, I personally think that that's our biggest failing is we need to moving forward into the future of the Fire Museum, find a way to keep honing back in. This is still about people as well as guns and guns are linked, inextricably linked with people. And that can be in ways that are good and that can be in ways that are bad. And I just wish when I look through the museum that there were more moments of reflection on the human. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, and we've gotten most of the same complaints, but the big one that, like, when it just comes down to the technical, like, how we've displayed it is um, the not by manufacturer. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of people expected us to keep that from the old museum. And while we do have the pullouts down, like, the open storage down below in the lower level, and we have some of that open storage um, on the main level that is by manufacturer, you know, it's people wanted to see it in cases by like very open and visible by manufacturer. And I think that's the one thing that's like, I've heard a bunch of that's probably mm -hmm. the most common complaint. I don't know that that's the complaint that like, you know, like, cause we get some complaints, like one of the early ones we got was, you know, we have these hands-on interactive firearms up front where you can work the action. And at first you could just pull the trigger. And one of the very first mm -hmm. complaints we got was you guys are teaching people to be irresponsible with firearms because in the real world, you know, you can't just walk up to a gun and pull the trigger. That's super bad firearm safety. Yeah. And that one we took to heart and we're like, dang, we kind of missed that one. So we, you know, we've made some adjustments to how those interactives work. And we put up some signage that says, you know, this is a controlled environment. It's safe here. Don't do this outside. Um, and so those kind of things, like that was one that hit us early on that we 
took we to heart, instantly, but, I mean, we shaved, I mean, we're still in the process of it, but we're shaving right. all the triggers actually off of the guns there. Right. So that it, what we ended up doing with the interactors is really compartmentalizing. Uh, what are we trying to teach here? Oh, we're trying to teach about the action. Well, that's the only thing you can move. Oh, we're trying to teach about the trigger. Well, that's the only thing you can move. And there's a disclaimer about it, you know, right in that area. So we, we are still learning. Um, what works and what doesn't work in the museum and we'll always be kind of learning that especially as you know society changes and our audience and demographics change but so far we did do a, a, a summative evaluation of the museum and people are really happy with what we're doing and so we're just going to kind of keep trying to make it better make it more relevant while not alienating you know our very loyal um audience base but hopefully growing our audience base to not only be more general public but also more gun owners that maybe feel like they weren't represented elsewhere in gun culture but they are represented at our museum and so i i'm excited about seeing where the museum goes into the future but uh we've been talking for a really long time so we should Can I probably make one last comment you always do i want to go on record and say the CFM displays more guns than it ever has or the center ever has. So for all the folks that are like, oh, they took all the guns off display, we didn't. We did not. That's my official record. And on that record, we're going to say goodbye. See y'all.